Hello, you're listening to the Donald and Hampton podcast. My name's Donald. I'm Hampton. Today is October 31st, and the area code of the week is 713, Houston. Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. So, uh, Hampton, I, uh, I haven't talked to you in a while. That's right. You, you've been missing. Yeah. Apparently, you, you've made your way towards Europe. Yes. yes. So, uh, why, don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about that trip? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, it's, Donald and I have really been apart for a long time. Yeah, it has been quite a long time. We both live in Louisiana. I miss you. We both live Love in Louisiana. Her. I mean, friend. We both live in Louisiana, and uh, and I live in New Orleans. He lives in Lafayette, um, southern Louisiana. Anyway, so I took a business trip to Europe, and uh, I'll tell you what. The one thing I noticed is that uh, for all the reasons to hate Europe, and there are plenty, uh, the fact that they have these socialist governments that take care of you and give you a whole bunch of... <laughs> the babysitter government. <laughs> yeah, basically. If only you could sleep with that babysitter. And the French, the, the Parisians who are, well, I don't hate them as much as most other people. Maybe they're not rude, but they definitely don't care about you. Um, and they make that very clear. But one thing that's really nice about that is that, uh, about Europe, is that all the cities really are very clean. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they basically cut off the, ex- the extremely wealthy and the extremely poor, and what you're left with is a middle class. And so there's nobody to screw up your city. Like, your city is all really nice. Nobody's, you know, throwing garbage all over the place and, like, keeping their houses in disrepair. Yeah, but, I mean, it may work there because their countries are the size of, like, one state, i.e., a whole state could be nice, let's say California, or actually, no, not California. No, no, not California let's so say, much. Uh, I don't know who. I'm going to dispute that. But a whole state could be nice because all the crappy people just leave that state and go to the one right next door. Yeah, but it, and, and it's, it's very like easy that. to do that. And they made it easy to do it, apparently. I don't know. I only went to, so the cities I went to, it was a Europe trip going from Paris to the Netherlands. When I was in the Netherlands, I visited a ton of cities Delft, Utrecht. Um, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, uh, Reichsweig, and then we uh, went to the northwest portion of uh, Germany. And in all of those places I saw, even Paris, and you know, Paris is a huge city, so you'd expect to see some slummy places. And uh, I just did, you know. Maybe all their poor people are in prison. I guess. I, I don't know. All I know is that the, the poverty rate in the Netherlands is about one-third the poverty rate in the United States. It's 4.8% compared to 13.2%. And, um, yeah, just go there. There's some things that you can't measure, and you'll have these arguments with, you'll have these arguments with friends of yours who are politically inclined about the, the error of the, you know, which way is the better way, the, the more capitalistic free market way or the more socialistic centralized state way of Europe. But for all the measurements you make about who has more income and which countries are richer, just go there. Just yeah, go just over there. just go and there. see what it's like. Uh, the other thing I noticed is that the transportation system is pretty rock solid. It's kind of incredible. The trains really run. They run to every city, and they run within every city. And you can get around for $5 a day. $5 to anywhere in Europe? Well, no, no, no. I mean, if you're, if you're living in the Netherlands, and you're traveling from one city to another, and then, so if I, if I work in Reisvike, but I live in Amsterdam, then I would wake up in the morning, I would take a train to Reisvike, and uh, that round trip ticket costs about three twenty, mm-hmm. uh, three sixty, I think euros. All right. And then you spend another dollar, maybe traveling within the city. And I mean, all things considered, you can you can do all the all the traveling or most of the traveling you need to do uh, on five euros a day, even if you live in another city. 
which is pretty good when you think of the amount of money we spend on transportation in the States, on your car note, yeah, which is going to be like $20 gasoline. a day, 25 a day. Yes, yeah. I hate gas. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of a good deal. And uh, third thing I noticed is that uh, the, the wind farms, the uh, wind turbines. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love the idea of wind farms. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think everybody, a idea. everybody likes the idea. But, Until they see it. Well, and for some reason, they think it's ugly. But yeah. I think it's beautiful. I, I was talking about that with, uh, with the guy I was traveling with. There's this whole, everybody's complaining about, oh, I don't want wind uh, turbines on my farm. I don't want it near my property because it ruins the landscape. I think it makes me look smarter. I, it makes future. you specifically look yeah. smarter. When it's on my land, I look smarter, and I look more like the future. I, I think it looks really cool. Like, you just drive, just drive there, see the German countryside, and it's beautiful. It's, like all, it's a lot of up and I down. I like saying things like, look at my ability to fabricate such beautiful machinery. It's <laughs> not, not a German accent. <laughs> you I don't know what that is. That's like a, that's like a Czech accent. It's really a Borat accent. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what it is either. No, people complain about it. They call it, I think, eye pollution, or they call it like, uh, you know, they think it's an eyesore. But as I was driving, I thought that it, you know... What the hell do you want from these things? They're sleek. They're tall. They have these three they're turbines. Useful, they're they look, beautiful. They don't look bad. They look really, you know, elegant. They have a very futuristic, elegant look to them, and yeah. they make the landscape. They add something to the landscape. It's not just. It's not just the nature. It's the nature juxtaposed with this. Yeah. Now I love the way it looks just on like a landscape over farmland with rolling hills. But uh, I heard out in Nantucket that they also thought it was an eyesore on their waterfront, which. I think it would make it look even better to have waves so. lapping against it as yeah. well. Like that, and then the sun setting right behind it. God, that, that just looks amazing in my mind. I think it's ridiculous. It's, it's so stupid that they think that people are going to stop going to their beach because it's the one beach in the world where you can look out and see like wind turbines off in the distance like miles away. You really, really? You yeah, think I mean, that like, people are going to stop going sure, because like, of that? I'm they, sure they become even more useful, just like oil rigs have been as far as fishing yeah. and like, providing reef yeah. for fish to... So it's like more than just like saving the earth in the sense of we're no longer producing like CO2 or all these other crappy things that people are worried about, but giving an animal a place to live. <laughs> we should start up a program, adopt a windmill. You know, they actually, well, so I actually know a little bit about that subject. Uh, I work for uh, Shell Oil, and so whenever we're done with our rigs, it is uh, mandated that we tear them down clean them so that there's nothing left on the ocean floor, like just get rid of everything. And the intent behind that is that the, the fishermen, when they drag their nets, they don't want them, the nets to get caught on these, okay. uh, on these structures. But, but yeah, I guess that works in like shallow water, but off, off offshore, like past like Tiger Shores, as far as the Gulf is concerned. Yeah, I don't know if there's a, if there's a radius from shore, but well, I don't understand it anyway because a ship can always just go, you know, as long as the structure is still above water, they can see it and they can go around it. And like you said, these are habitats. These, whenever, yeah. Once they've been there for a couple of years, they turn into these reefs. And if you ever get the chance to, to visit an offshore platform, which I guess you only get the chance if, you're ever in the, if you ever work for yeah, the industry, or if you, you just look in the water. They are like, there's so many fish. They're like a yeah. swarm of flies. And it's if you ever get ridiculous. a chance to go diving down there, that's where you see all the life if you do diving in the Gulf. Are you serious? Yeah. Um, I mean, the Flower Gardens is, like, one of the exceptions, but you got to travel out for, like, three days to get there. But, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of little fish and different types of coral. 
And then if you're into spearfishing, there's all kinds of snapper and ling and amberjack, all these delicious fish that you can just go down there and it's shoot. Not, it's not dangerous? Uh, I wouldn't say it's safe. I mean, there like sharks and barracudas. <laughs> but like, if you know the risks that you're you're ahead of that are facing you, yeah, um, you can prepare yourself to best handle them. So, as far as like fish attacking you is concerned, not really a risk. That no, doesn't happen. Um, the closest thing that'll, as far as that's concerned, is if you let's say, um, like ling and amberjack or ling, they they like to go around whenever you shoot them. They don't go down and they don't go up. They go around. So. You run the risk of like strangling yourself or getting tied to the rig itself. Uh, so as long, but as long as you know that, you just, yeah. you just when you shoot one, you know what to expect because you're not like shooting like ten at a time. Like right. you only have one spear. So, so it's not like it's not like that lady walking the hundred dogs on New no, York City streets. It's not like not that. Not at all like that. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean you just uh, you know let the let the thing go in one hand to the other, let him run around you, and as he's doing that, you're bringing him in closer, and he's dying slowly as you do that. And with, like, uh, Amberjack and Snapper is a little bit different because they go straight down. Yeah. So, uh, you know, make sure you wrap your legs around the rig. Yeah. Or tie yourself to it, even. Yeah. And if they're big enough, that is. Yeah. But, yeah. Man, that was an interesting sidetrack. <laughs> so no, that was that was good. But, yeah, so, yeah, getting back to the subject of Europe, you know, I don't know if the, I don't know if the transport system, the trains... They might lose money, but I have to imagine that it's more of a it's now, more of a slow is bleeder. Is it a monorail or like a traditional rail system, well, or do they a, do a combo? What's a monorail? Um, it's like oh, it's like, balanced on it, yeah, like maglev. Right? No, I think it's it's traditional. It's definitely traditional. Okay. Um, like but the yeah. Disney World train. Yeah, it's traditional, like the Disney World train, but it's not like a locomotive. It's not like a choo-choo train. <laughs> <laughs> There's no steam. I'm sure that they lose money on it. We actually, so and we just, recorded. Just to correct real quick, the Disney World train is a monorail, but keep going. So we've, uh, this, is our, this is our second go at this podcast, and uh, we were, the last time we discussed this subject, Donald pushed back on me uh, saying that, no, no, these, these trains, they lose money. And it, it's true. We looked it up uh, between recording that one and recording this one. And the New York subway system, for instance, is projected to lose surprise, something like, it's, like, it's like $500 million. I'm right again. Um, so, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm not even going to make that joke. So, um, so yeah, they, they lose money. But the question is, you know, are you going to lose money by doing that or are you going to lose money, more money, by having all of your citizens paying, you know, a large portion of their, of their monthly income on cars and gasoline? Well, I mean, the way I kind of see it is that any money that the government spends doesn't usually produce more money. Um, it might provide a service, but it always does it at an expense to the, the taxpayer either way. Like, the taxpayer is paying for something either way, yeah. whether it's the individual taxpayer or, like, the, the commercial taxpayer. Yeah. So whether the question is more whether or not the government does the spending more efficiently than the private sector does. So in the event of buying cars versus having the city provide trains, is it more cost-efficient for the city to buy trains or for... And for them to basically spend money and not really get any value out of it other than transport for everybody right. versus industries like the car industry is being made out of this, the gas industry being uh, created out of these things. Yeah, but those dollars don't stay in the country. Um, I mean, they don't do now, but they should, and they could. Yeah, That's you don't like want for to, other reasons. You don't want to keep an industry. You don't want to – and 
You don't no, but what I'm saying is like you by 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 allowing the market to sort of handle it. Like I would be totally down if like a business did it and made it profitable. Yeah. But by allowing the market to handle it, they create more value for the country. No, but there's a problem with that. They increase GDP. There's a problem with that. What's that? The problem is that if a co if a company provides a service that's not necessary, and everybody then they don't use it. Everybody or no, they no, don't no. stay in business. I'm saying. Well, no, it, it's not strictly necessary to have flat screen TVs and uh, or you know yeah, but makeup. It's necessary in the sense that people want it. Sure. And so they buy it. So people can want something irrationally. If everybody in the United States decided irrationally that they wanted to spend one ten, one ten percent of their income on digging holes in the ground and filling them up, or on on burning dirt, you or something that's just like like the government. Well, <laughs> but it, either way, keep going. So if they if they decided they wanted to spend it on something completely useless, uh, then there would be a company that arose to fill that need, and that company would make a lot of money, and it would right. employ people, it would make jobs, but that would still be a huge waste of money. Because you're taking 10% of, of your country's production and you're funneling it into this useless process that doesn't actually do anything. Right, and I think that's okay as long as the government's not doing it because you're creating jobs that are actually ne not necessarily necessary. In the s they're not necessary in the sense that they need to be there, but they are necessary in the sense that someone is willing to pay for it. They are profitable. Mm. No, I don't. I don't think there's any value to an economy to have worthless jobs. Yeah, um, worth, it's, it well, the only work. worthless. If you want jobs, worthless jobs, you know who you should really support economy, is the government. Exactly, <laughs> worthless jobs are only made like truly wor worthless jobs are only made I, by the government. I don't agree with that because at all. worthless jobs that are in the private sector are not worthless. Why? Because someone wants them and wants to spend money providing that job. There are millions of people who want the government to do the things they're doing right now. Um, Everybody who's on the welfare rolls really loves that yeah, product. And those That's are worthless, their favorite product. Not only do they have worthless jobs, but those are probably worthless people. <laughs> so <laughs> We're going to edit that part out. <laughs> yes, no, no, there's, I mean, like, here's a worthless industry. How about, how about um, designer cruise ships for really rich people? What good does that do to our country? What good does that do for our country? Well, that's the thing is that it doesn't matter what like intrinsic good it has. Because if... if as long as it's If it doesn't matter, then, then it, you sh if you don't think that – if all that matters is that it makes money, then look, the government makes money. The government no, makes money. No, the government does not make money. The government – Or at least it doesn't make enough money. It has a revenue stream called taxes. It doesn't it, make enough money. And the taxes are based off of the revenue streams of the private sector. So you're basically funneling money from a sector that could be making those dollars profitable into a sector, the public sector that is, that is making them non-profitable and may or may not be providing a necessary service. But either way, it's mandated upon you. So that's where I sort of start to disagree as far as, like, the socialist agenda is concerned. It's because, A, I like not being told what to do, and, B, I like not being told what to do and then having somebody waste my money doing it. Um, I'm not, look, I'm not down for wasteful spending, and we need to... This always happens whenever we start talking about this. So we need to, we need to wrap right. this up in the next so, 30 uh... seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Donald gets the last word. Um, <laughs> no, the, the problem with that line of thinking is that if you, if you just assume that everything that goes on in the private sector is, is well, working. It's, it's proven to be that way, to be profitable at least. Because if it wasn't profitable, it would not exist. Right. Whereas but what it's doing is sector, it's converting. So some industries in the private sector – convert a need into money and into okay. jobs and into industry, okay? There's a need for building roads, and that need is met by 
companies that do that and they make money. There is not no, really. That's, that's usually by the government, though. They hire out private. They hire out private people. Okay. Then okay. Then forget roads. There's a need for um, there's a need for uh, clothing. Okay. So like. Honestly, I think that's a waste. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's a need for uh, home building. All right. People have to have homes. All right. So there are home building companies that make money. Um, however, there's not a need for project eight. There's not a or huh? section eight. What section is it? eight housing. Yeah. There's not a need for uh, giant uh, yachts that go to one person. There's just there's no, not there's not a if need. If there wasn't a need, they so what it does exist. is it converts it converts a perceived need into profit. Okay, and in doing so, it takes a bunch of people who could be the, the people who work on those yachts. Mm-hmm. They could spend their lives instead of working on yachts that aren't going to do anything. They could be spending their time working on building roads. Uh, building infrastructure. They yeah, could be policemen. There's no reason to have those people because they already exist. You don't need more of them necessarily. You do. Or if you do need them, then you need to have a reason to have them. So we in, do. This, in the sense that the government controls or pays for the police force and you know all these other things that you were probably about to list, um, and we don't have enough in a lot of places. Or, or not even government thing. Let's do a private thing. They could be converted into people who build uh, airplanes, who build um, – they could work for FedEx and UPS. They could work for an right. oil company based is, in the United if, States. If not enough people wanted to buy airplanes, then there's no reason to employ extra people to build airplanes. That makes your business non-profitable, they which could be makes people, it not exist. They could be people who work on the natural gas reserves we have in our United States, which we and can I'm, export I'm to sure other countries. I'm sure they do have people doing that now. Yes, they do. They just don't have enough for, what you, for your likes or – because, well, we have a trade deficit. We, if we have more people working on things that we can export to other countries, we can enrich our country. If we have more people working on establishing security, establishing infrastructure. Right, but you don't necessarily have to create a tangible object in order to create an export. No, you're right. If, and I thought that's if what we're we were able doing... to send those yachts over to Dubai, if we have a United States company that sends those yachts to Dubai and to China. No, but what I'm saying is I thought I was, great. I was always in, under the impression Let them waste their money. Let us that, take it. As far as any sort of export is concerned from the United States, we're more in, like, the financial market. We're, like, we export dollars. No, that's not true. That's not true. You just look yeah. at, the, you just look at the, the top 500 companies I mean, we, in the world. I mean, we export our debt, definitely. Like, that's <laughs> probably the biggest thing we export. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have like a... We, like, I, I read this article about, like, these German uh, insurance companies that were selling German citizens insurance policies for American citizens. And so, like, yeah. basically they were betting on yeah. American citizens' deaths. To die. And, yes, it's just, like, I think, that's, I think that's more of our game nowadays than, like, producing a product and then selling it overseas or producing a service and selling it overseas Well, we or providing it overseas. If you just look at the, the Fortune 500 companies, uh, General Electric is based in the United States. Exxon is a United States company. Most of the banks are United States companies. Um, most of the tech companies are United States companies. It, I mean, mm. the... Uh, military, General Dynamics, Actually, Boeing, Lockheed remember, Martin. Not, I was surprised at how many of those companies were not in the United States. Um, All right, because so I looked at a list a while. Google back. that. <laughs> Google. Yeah, just you Google top five hundred companies. Just you, Google Fortune five hundred. And I mean, not to say that we don't have a lot, but I was just like, I was surprised that we didn't have like almost all of them. Well, we do need. I to, think America is amazing. <laughs> we do need to cut this off. But theoretically, okay. Imagine that you were. Imagine for a moment that you had powers and you could convert all the money. Uh, that was spent towards yachts, and you could put all that money towards building um, a monorail, building uh, a transportation system in the United States. Wouldn't it be better to make the transportation system? 
Wait, I'm sorry. What were my options? The transportation system or the what? Or the yacht. Uh, it depends on which one would make me more money. That's really what it boils down to, as far as the business is concerned. And that's where government is supposed to step in and say that if this is more useful, and it actually is, then they take taxpayer dollars and then put it towards that project. But my issue with government spending is that they don't usually do that. And what if, all if they those... do do that, they still don't do it efficiently. So, but there um, are things out there that have a that have a multiplier effect because people use them to make the economy better. In, roads, yeah, roads no, are the best example. No, no, roads have a multiplier point. effect. That's a good point. Well, that's um, that's why that's how you think, build an economy. I don't think without the government intervention, roads would have ever been built to the extent that we have today. Um, granted, we also would have roads. All roads that we did have would go somewhere. Well, no, forget forget the government. Take the government out. Let's say we're completely. Let's say we're an anarchist system. Okay, it's still there's still better companies and worse companies. There's still things that are more useful. Right, you have, and less you have companies that are more in like, tune to what their consumers want and need. Well, no, there the are things that you actually need to run an economy. You need logistics. You need FedEx, UPS. Um, you need uh, transportation. You need security. Uh, you need office real estate. You need residential real estate. Uh, you need uh, information technology so that people can do can use their brains and get things yeah, done. Yeah, but like of those, these things are things you need in an economy. Yeah, of those things you just listed, the ones that don't already naturally exist are like information technologies and roadways, like. Commercial real estate and real estate, like all the, those things, they, they happen that they can happen organically if they if if given the opportunity. Yeah, sure. Um, but every time somebody, so every if if I'm a rich person, if if I have you know five hundred million dollars to blow, um, if I blow that five hundred million dollars by buying an office complex, which I then rent out to other uh, businesses, um, then I'm doing something that has a multiplier effect for the United States because right. I'm fostering business. If I spend that $500 million on a huge airplane or a huge yacht that I take out every weekend, I'm not, that has no multiplier effect. Because once the people, it, it makes jobs, but once it's created, it does right. nothing. It so could very then, uh, well, I could blow it up or bury it in my backyard, and the world will be no worse off for it. Actually, this, this, this brings an interesting idea to my mind. Um, so, like, you know how they'll say 20% uh, of your income should be put towards housing, like a certain percentage towards it. Right. What would you suggest a certain percentage wise or a percentage wise should be going towards this uh sort of like common goals idea? And should it just be whatever is the tax dollars or should it be something else? Um well, I don't know what the best system is. I think the most successful countries right now, the ones that are doing it the right way, China is the obvious example. Um and I think their system is that they just encourage, quote unquote, their private sector to direct their energies towards building up the country. And if they don't, then they either heavily tax them or they just imprison their leaders or and whatever. I think I'd be I think I'd be down for something like that. Well I not mean, imprisonment. Or but they the, just the or they just now I mean they've been doing their stimulus spending uh, on like an almost United States scale for the last year. But it's all infrastructure. All they do is they build And honestly that's what I thought this stimulus bill was going to do. Yeah. Um but apparently no. it is not. No, not so much. <laughs> uh like, no but they were like because that like, what is it, like a trillion dollars worth of jobs? Yeah. That's not that many jobs. All government jobs. Yeah, it's, it's not, that's really not that many jobs for the United States. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've all seen the statistics. It comes out to, like, $150,000 per job. So, like, even, even at its, like, most 100%, like, at its most effective, like, it really isn't that big of a deal, in my, in my opinion. Like, a trillion dollars worth of infrastructure, on the other hand, that, depending on where you use it, that could be a huge, huge. It's huge. deal. 
what you do is you make your you make your country more attractive for corporations, for international corporations, because you want yeah. them to establish their headquarters here. Because then you can take the world's if, wealth and you can put it in your pocket. If they had put some of that pocket. money towards like telecommunications, yeah. Oh my God. Well, they are no ten. Oh, they are. Yeah, General Electric is counting on the stimulus to see them through O10. What are they? What are they using the money for? Uh, well, GE Healthcare is getting a ton of dollars to modernize the healthcare system. To um, uh, I thought I IBM was healthcare and in information technology. Um, GE and I don't know if IBM works on the healthcare part, okay. but um, GE does. Uh, they're getting a lot of things for the whole smart grid system. I I think that IBM and GE work yeah, together on that. Yeah, because that system is pretty messed up. Yes. Like, I've been uh, doing, like, research uh, studies and doing, like, data input for them uh, for medical studies, and it is impossible to know anything that's going on. Like, just to find the guy's vital signs from, like, to compare his vital signs to the amount of drugs he's taken over the last six months, uh, that'll take you at least six months to find wow. all that data and put it together. That's it is terrible, like pieces of paper here, there, different files, different laws preventing you from even, like, walking over there, and uh, it's just terrible. Yeah. Not it, to say that, you know, people shouldn't be protected, their privacy shouldn't be protected, but, like, if you need to find information and you signed up for a study to present the study coordinators with this information, they shouldn't have any problem getting access to it. Um, it's unfortunate. Know. Yeah. So, uh, we went on that for way too long. But what I want you to do is lift up your phone. I'm lifting my phone. Okay, so Donald has an Apple iPhone, and I have a Palm Free. It is currently the greatest consumer device. Okay, so we're each going to state we're each going to state our case for as our... of October 31st. We'll yeah, see what so happens in the near future. I'll let you start. Uh, so I love my iPhone. Uh, I have very very few problems with it. It's a uh, it's a beaut to look at. Um, I would personally jailbreak it if I had one. <laughs> Otherwise, it's it's pretty much back on the same level as like the pre or or some of the other smartphones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, jailbreaking it really brings it to the next level. Uh, let's see, what else do I like about it? If the if the Apple iPhone was a woman, would you have sex with it? I would marry it. <laughs> I would take it out back and get it pregnant. <laughs> That's not very respectful to the iPhone. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you're treating the iPhone right. Uh, um, what woman would the iPhone be if the iPhone were, were a woman? Oh wow! Uh, I'd have to say maybe a maybe a maybe a Selma Hayek. Wow! It's like dark and beautiful. Wow! So it's got and, like some fire. It's got yeah. like some Latin fire. Yeah, to it. it's like you, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, on the surface, it's like wow, this is a really like beautiful device. Yeah, it looks great, and it's got dark hair. <laughs> I'm going the other way on and this. And then whenever you like get into it and then jailbreak it, it's yeah. like this passion and, then, and power just comes pouring out of wow. it. Wow. That's, That's quite an saying. analogy there. <laughs> so jailbreaking in this situation is it's impregnating. That's, the, no, so I think that the Apple iPhone is uh, is analogous to one of those Swiss one of those Swiss uh, supermodels, like the the Heidi Klum types, because they're uh, they're from a cold area. The iPhone just basically it has a lot of features. It's presented in a way where everything kind of works. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost Russian in that it's very, like, robotic. It just, like, it does what it's supposed to right. do. It does it correctly. 
Um, or you sweet. find me a Russian that looks like this iPhone, Dude. and I will get it pretty. Hot Russian women <laughs> they are plentiful. Uh, and that's not what I meant. Um, make an iPhone. Uh, okay. And I will get her pregnant. I think that I think that the Palm Pre has more uh, has more of a case for being like a uh, for being like a South American woman. Um, because it has a couple things. It, I mean, I guess if you Because it's a little bit screwy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, right. maybe if you just don't understand You them. go to sleep and you're like, is the alarm clock going to work tomorrow morning? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it will. Maybe it won't. Is it going to be mad at me it today and beans. shut up? Is it going to hang up on me, like, sporadically? Possibly. <laughs> probably. So, uh, let me make the case for the Palm Free. All right. So, the Apple iPhone... Uh, so there's not really there's not really too many differences. Essentially, it depends on what you're going to use it for. If you're going to use it for apps, mm-hmm. then you get the iPhone. Well, I do like the idea of homebrews on the pre though. I don't know anything. About um, it's just like hacking. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of the things you can do with jailbroken iPhone, yeah, you can do with a stock, yeah, pre. And I like that idea. Well, you you don't have to use iTunes, so that's a big advantage. Yeah, iTunes blows. So basically the way a pre works is you hook it up to your computer and it works exactly like a USB stick. You just dump music into folders. And then okay. whenever you open up the music program, it's And, like, there. the folders are very nicely organized and labeled? No, it's all – it is a blank slate. You get to put it – you get to organize it however you want. So how does it – how do you know where to find it on your phone? In your phone, it's, it's just like on the iPhone. They have a little music program. And it just takes everything that's an MP3 and it puts it in there. Okay. So like, no matter what your fo- what your folder architecture is, your hi- folder hierarchy is, it all goes to the right place. Okay. Um, that's so cool. that's pretty cool. I mean, and really, is, the, the is bottom. Is music really the only thing that it does that for, or can you put documents or? Yeah, you can put documents. They have a uh, they do have a document reader. Okay. They have a PDF reader, and I think they have one for spreadsheets too. Does it differentiate between like podcasts, music, no. audiobooks? No. Can't do that. You, what are you talking about? Differentiates between podcasts. All yeah. I do is I, I. Hey, where's that podcast I just downloaded? Click. All right, I'm listening to it. Well, yeah, like I have a lot of podcasts and I have a lot of audiobooks, and so I don't remember like the names of every single one of them. Oh wow! So I just have to go to the its section. So and this then is, pick whichever one I want. This really highlights the difference, and okay? they all have different release dates. Some if you're an organized person. You're going to like the palm print. Oh, my yeah. This is, this is just a fact, all right? If you want to dick around all day and download apps for, like, uh, which direction should I turn next, like, the right or left yeah, app. Yeah, th- those, like, are, those are pretty crappy. Right turn, left turn. Like, more than half the <laughs> Oh, apps I'll turn left now because... Or really crappy. Or, like, the... I'm sure there's... You know what? I bet there's an 8-ball app. I bet there's a magic 8-ball app. I'm going to look this up right now. I guarantee there's some stupid... And it probably costs 99 cents. It's probably a 99-cent app for a Magic 8-Ball. It's so stupid. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The The App Store is way overhyped. Like, if you listen to any of the tech guys... This um, is yet... <laughs> Magic 8-Ball, iPhone, and iPod Touch. So the review begins with... Um, this is the greatest 8-Ball app ever. No, 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 no. This is yet another Magic 8-Ball application <laughs> for your iPhone. Wow. <laughs> so apparently there's, there's many of them. But so I don't download apps. I just use, I just use basically the, the core functionality that's in the phone. And that core functionality is I check my emails. Uh, I can surf the Internet whenever I want to. Uh, I can put documents on it, uh, like PDF files, and I can read those. Um, and this enables me to keep my life organized because a lot of my a lot of my organization boils down to what's in my inbox. I have five different I have an email address for every company that I own 
and I have to empty those constantly to make sure that I'm getting through to customers. And so that's number one. The second thing is that at the bottom of the uh, Palm Free, and if you're watching this, we'll have to put a screenshot of this. Yeah. At the bottom of the Palm Free I is, this, is this neat little um, is this neat little uh, black bar. It's only about maybe six or seven pixels tall. So would you say it's a pop-up bar? Uh, is it kind of like those annoying web ads? Or no, no, it's just it's just persistently there. It uh, it's just a small black bar. It's only about seven pixels tall, and it has a, a tiny, tiny little uh, icon for uh, anything that's currently in your to-do list, basically. So when you get when you get uh, a text message, they'll put a little word cloud there. When you get an email, they'll put a little uh, mail symbol. Whenever you get a, a voice message, they put a symbol there. And when you click on that little black bar, it expands, and all of those items, those to-do items, uh, have like more details. And you're yeah. able to click on each of them and see and now do that them. is a really good idea. It um, makes it almost like a it makes it like an interactive to do list. Yeah, that uh, that seems really useful. Um, and I wish more phones would take on that idea or more just to do devices, right? Uh, in general, obviously but, the weakness though is that you're working <laughs> a you're working with Sprint and they're they're yeah. And actually, you're the first person I've heard in a long time, especially the first person who has a pre yeah. that has told me how bad the Sprint network is. I don't understand. You, I don't have no coverage. I'm in New Iberia right now. I have, <laughs> they just not function here. Well, New Iberia is all, where we are in New Iberia is also kind of in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Um, we don't it, for AT and T. We don't actually get any coverage unless we're outside the house. We yeah. have to actually hook up a cell cell repeater. Yeah. For the house. Yeah. So like, there's an antenna outside, and then we run to uh, to a receiver in here that okay. transmits it. So maybe that's not Sprint's fault, but it's pretty bad even in New Orleans. New Orleans is a major metropolis, so I get 3G coverage there. Um, but, for instance, when I'm in my office building, if I'm on the west side of the building, mm-hmm. like if I'm in an office that has a window and I'm on the west side, I get, um, I get good coverage. Mm-hmm. I can surf the Internet. My office is on the east side of the building. No coverage. I, do, I cannot surf the Internet. I can, but it's extremely spotty. I also don't – I try not to judge anymore whether or not something has a good service based upon my ability to surf the Internet. Really? Simply because it's such a data hog. Um, it needs it needs a good connection, and on top of that, I have AT and T and can never surf the internet. <laughs> really? Uh, so it's, I usually base it off of whether or not I can send text messages and make phone calls. That's and, interesting. But I surf the internet more than I do either of those. And also, y'all for Sprint, they don't they don't have a, a GSM network, do they? Hmm? Um. Yeah, GSM versus uh, CDMA. Like, you can't basically you can't talk on the phone and surf on the internet at the same time, can you? Yeah, you can. You can? Yeah. Really. Yeah, whenever I'm talking to people, a lot of times you don't have to be on a Wi-Fi to do that. No. Wow. I mean, that's why. That's I heard one of the that big... you had to do that. No. Huh. One of the big showcases of the pre is that all of the things it's basically arranged like a Windows program where you can open mul- multiple applications at the same time and you can mm-hmm. switch between them. So when I'm talking on no, the I'm phone, I'm just saying I, I thought the connection right. Wasn't I know. Capable of it. I just know this because whenever I'm talking on the phone, I'm like, oh, okay, talk to me. All right, click, and now I'm looking up what he's talking about, mm-hmm. and I'm, like, looking things up online while he's talking, or I'm typing in an, an address into Google Maps. How's that screen? Is it big enough for you? The screen is big enough. It has the same resolution as the iPhone, but mm-hmm. the iPhone has the scratch-resistant surface. The Pre doesn't. I also... Scratch-resistant th- surface on the iPhone is Yeah, the scratch-resistant surface is, is amazing, and what's even better is on the 3GS, the oleophobic coating. Really? Uh, no I don't know how I'm ever going to live without that. Wait, do you have that? Yeah. Um, basically, 
it just it's 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 an engineering marvel is what it is uh the oleophobic coating that is um it came out like two or three years ago mit some 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 guys at mit created it It was the first one of its kind well thank you for dropping my phone (laughs) i was so mad i smashed it uh yeah and so in nature um or oftentimes whenever we're we're creating (laughs) hold on hold on (laughs) you just did like the professor voice there you just stopped and okay so you have to have a mental image right now like as he's talking, he's he's uh, sitting back in his like office chair, and he has he has one leg crossed, and he's like gesticulating with this one hand. He looks exactly like a professor, and then he breaks out with the, in nature, many times you will find that my ball sack is sweaty. <laughs> many times, uh, no, but yeah, you'll uh, you'll find things that will separate oil from water or absorb oil, but you'll never see anything that keeps oil like on the surface. Oil is usually always heavier than most uh most things you run into every day. So uh Oh wait, no, it's the other way around. Oil is usually lighter. I'm sorry. All right, professor. Either way, uh there's there's nothing out there in it, that naturally occurs that actually will keep oil on top of the surface and not meld with it at all. And that's one of the things that they ended up discovering and it was like I don't know how the process works at all, but they weave this crazy stuff into a film, and it keeps oil from ever being absorbed into it. And it also makes it, uh, you know, so you can, which also makes it able to, like, just wipe it off real quick. So whenever you smudge it by using your fingers, you get rid of those smudges in, like, one wipe. Exactly. Which I just experienced. I just wiped it on my shirt and... Yeah, whereas with the, with the original iPhone and the 3G iPhone, good God, good. it takes, like, a damp cloth... Yeah, or, or I'm half doing it the right day. now. I end up doing this a lot with my free. Yeah. Scrub a dub. Like, just, just by taking the phone, using it, and then sliding it into your pocket, and then back out later on for use, it's perfect every single time. Yeah. Um, but and anyway. there's some there are some bugs also on the free. Yeah, but I mean, there, it's still fairly early since the release. It's true. Or relatively it's so. It's little bugs. It's things that kind of piss me off, because... You ought to, if you're going to make a product, you know how customers are. They'll take, like, a very small bad experience and they'll blow it up. So, like, I one time set the alarm. I don't wake up the next so day. So it's actually, like, on the user end that you're finding these things? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the alarm clock is, is the best example. You set the alarm um, at midnight, uh, or you set the alarm at 11.30 p.m., um, and it won't go off the next day, but it will go off the day after that. You have to – so – it, it happens randomly, and I haven't figured out exactly what's the correct way to make it work, but I've experienced it where you basically have to set it more than 24 hours in advance in order for it to work. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a Russian horror. <laughs> <laughs> no, they do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, so I think that's enough about the iPhone and the pre versus comparisons. What I want to talk about is the droid. Yeah. Um, Go ahead and pull that up on your screen, Anthony. Okay, on, on what, where? On the internet. Just Google oh, just Google search. Droid? Yeah. So, I have serious problems with this phone. I I'll tell you what, it, doesn't, it really doesn't look very attractive either. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of like the manufactured look, personally. Really? Um, I don't prefer it to, like, the nice smooth curves of Selma Hayek, but I, <laughs> uh, I, do, I do enjoy it every now and then. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. This is, this is getting weird. <laughs> this is 
slightly creepy. Uh, so anyway, um, big things, big dislikes. Uh, what the hell is that little navigation bar doing there? Uh, or navigation pad on the right whenever the screen's open or uh, the keyboard's out? Are you looking at uh, CNET or are you looking at where you're at? Um, this is New York Daily News. They did a little small review. Good. The Engadget review is pretty good. Um, they have the craziest reviews. They'll type like 2,000 words for a review yeah. of a phone. I know. And like, I read the, the, I read the review when the Palm Pre came out, and they, they really get into like, the keys feel okay. Like They talk about how yeah, each like, key feels. You should have a podcast about that, not a, a letter. <laughs> well, the people, the people who go to Engadget for the reviews are like concerned with the most minuscule details. Well, either way, that, that navigation pad is, seems like the dumbest idea to me. I'd rather, I mean, after all, it's a touchscreen phone. Why do you need a nav pad? I mean, is the UI interface that terrible for a touchscreen? Uh, second, it would give you way more room instead of having all these squinched up keys that you have to type on, which don't look like it's going to be very easy to determine what Point you're to typing. The nav pad? Okay. And, what, does that, uh, what does that do, that nav pad there? I'm not even sure what it does. Like I said, I haven't actually held one. Do you, like, slide it with your thumb and then it'll, like... No, I think it's buttons, like an up button, left, right, like a directional pad on, like, an, like the game controller. And Maybe then, like, a middle button in the middle. It's a text input. You mean the text, the QWERTY keyboard is for text input? When you're typing, you get to go back and forth. But, yeah, the iPhone yeah. does it with just by touching the screen. What if you... And doesn't the pre do it by touching the screen? Yeah, but there's a horrible side effect of that. Whenever you type a large block of text... Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't a, do the magnifying glass thing? <clears throat> it doesn't do the magnifying glass. It does? It does not. Oh, that's the problem. Oh man, that's uh, Apple. You you hit the jackpot with yeah. the magnifying glass. Whenever you whenever you hold down your finger uh, on one section of the screen for the iPhone and you're over text, it'll open up a small magnifying glass to like the the north you the area northwest your of your phone. finger. Yeah, yeah, that way, as you're covering it up with your finger, you can still see what's underneath it. No, that's that's what's necessary for a situation like it that. It is. It is. But um, whenever you have a large block of text that you write. Uh, within, let's say, within a, an email application. Mm-hmm. So you have a little, you'll have the email window, and then you'll have a small box where you enter the text. You type a bunch of text, and it's more text than is the size of the window. So you have to scroll up and down within that little box. Yeah. The way that you do that on, I think, the iPhone and the Pre, is you double-click, and then you sort of drag your finger down, and then the screen will, like, slowly shift. It, you, don't have to do, you don't have to double-click. You just flick it on the iPhone. There are exceptions to that rule. I used to have an iPhone. I know there are. In, in Gmail, there are exceptions to that rule. Um, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, let, me see your te- let me see your text messaging program. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to see this. Because double tapping on text gives you, like, cut, copy, paste options. Or, you know, select all, yeah. whatever. Um, no. This, uh, this Droid phone, it's like they came pretty, pretty close you killing the iPhone. <laughs> but not as close as Palm. And there's no multi-touch on this thing. There isn't? Yeah. How do you have a modern phone with a modern interface, like a touchscreen, and not have multi-touch Can on it? Can you pinch and zoom in and zoom No. Out? You can't pinch and zoom on this thing. Then why are we even talking about it? That's my point. That's, it's stupid. That's a deal breaker. Period. Yeah. It's, it's retarded. If anybody buys this phone, you're retarded. <laughs> I sort of agree. 
Look, you know, I don't want to put down your decision-making process, but it's a freaking but it, modern it phone. Is, it, is, it is at a stunted growth. Yeah. <laughs> your decision-making process is stunted. This is or retarded of, in, my, in this case. That is, the, that is the big invention of the iPhone. That is, that is the one biggest invention of the iPhone. Zooming in and out is bar none the biggest invention of the iPhone. Because you already had, had touch-sensitive displays, but none of that works unless you can zoom in and out on websites. That's what makes everything possible. The only thing that they've really done extremely well, actually they didn't do extremely well. The only thing they didn't really screw up is the fact that they use a capacitive touchscreen instead of a resistive touchscreen. <laughs> oh my God. I've never used the resistive touch. So you remember a long time ago when we were talking about? Actually, we were at this house when we were talking about like the, our dream phones if we were ever able to make phones. Yeah. Um, and you were like, "Yeah, touchscreen phones—they're going to be the next greatest thing. I think it's a great idea." Oh, and man. I was like, "No, touchscreen phones are so stupid." This was not like this. No, I've but. I've been spending the last five minutes trying to break the the iPhone, uh, trying to replicate that error I was talking about with uh, scrolling text up and down. I've not been able to do it. I think that since this is a 3GS, they probably fixed some of those problems. Um, but yeah, so you remember how I was so against the full touchscreen and like no other input method? You were for it. No, I wasn't completely against it. What did you want? Uh, or no, I wasn't, I wasn't for just like what the iPhone has done. Yeah. I was like, that is a terrible idea because A, like type... Most touchscreens at that time were resistive touchscreens, which were the only things I had seen. Yeah. And resistive touchscreens for using your fingers suck terribly. <laughs> I wanted to use other words. Suck a big <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're really, really bad. Mm. Uh, good for stylus, good for writing on, but what, you, know what, you, know what, you know what somebody needs to do? Yeah. They need to have a hybrid touchscreen. You need know, to have a hybrid, capacitive, and resistive touchscreen. What are they good for, resistives? Uh, they're good for using a stylus. So, like, writing, like, handwriting recognition type stuff. Okay. Um, or if you like using a stylus. So, capacitive touchscreens work on heat, right? No, they work on uh, electrostatic. Um, electricity. Electrostatic. Um, re resistive touchscreens work on resistance. And whatever algorithm Apple's using for the pinch and zoom and the scrolling, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, I got to admit, as much as I love my pre, the um, and I think it's the second best in terms of its screen responsiveness. Oh, definitely clicking the screen. The Apple's the iPhone's still number one. They have the best yeah. they have the best hardware for that screen. It is the most responsive. It's the it res and not only well, that, like, but the, it's, the 3G, it's the quickest. The 3GS is definitely all those things you just described. Per but although personally, I think the internal should be a little bit more uh, beefed up. But the 3G, there's a, there's a noticeable difference between the 3GS and the 3G. Yeah. Um, like every time, because my mom still has one, and every time she asks me like some question, like, "Hey, I can't do this," and she's like, "Do it for me." She gives me her phone, and I'm like, "Why is this taking so long?" Like, there's just so much downtime, it feels like. That's true. Um, I've noticed that every time I use your 3GS, it really is, it really is the quickest one. Yeah. It's the quickest. It's noticeably quicker. Yeah. Um, but it I'm, doesn't, I still, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to come back to the Pre because its core functionality is the best. It does the things yeah, I want it to do. Yeah, how do you do. like the sync? 
Oh, I never use them. Really? No, I never use that. Why not? Is it for your contacts? Yeah. Why would I want to import my thousands of Gmail contacts into my phone? Oh, there's no, like, filter or management system for it? I don't care if there is or not. I'm just going to... Oh, no, that would be very... Like, that's a selling point for me if there were. I, you know what? I'm sure there is. And good luck to people who maintain your contacts list. And this comes back to... I, we're different consumers for this reason. You typically use your phone to absorb information. Yeah. And you also... How many apps do you have on your phone right now? Got, like, 20, maybe. Okay. The most apps I will ever have on a phone is going to be like four, four or five. Uh, yeah, I've got like 30, actually. Okay, yeah. You, you're cool with uh, throwing a bunch of crap on there. You yeah, because I'm organized with it. No, and you're not. Yeah, like my, I have one page for each type of thing that I use them for. So like all my sort of social networking stuff is on one page. Um, all of my core apps that I use a lot are on one page. And I only have, like, one hybrid page that's, yeah. like, where I use these things a lot. And they're very different. possibly? And then I have all games on another page. You really, you think that you use 30 apps? Uh, I don't use them all, all the time. And that's why, that's how I have them organized. So I have one page that's a hybrid page that has a little bit of everything that I actually use all the time. Yeah. And that has, that has eight apps on it. And then all the other pages have apps that are similar to one another that I use every now and then that I don't want to download. Let me see your contacts list. All right. I'm looking at his contacts list right now. I'm just, I'm really skeptical that you can have a large contacts list that's synced with your computer or whatever. No, you should always, I mean, didn't you hear about what happened with T-Mobile? What? Sidekick? What? Uh, so... What happens is they don't they have they have they have memory on the phone. Where's your contacts list here? How do uh, I just type push the phone button? Uh, um, oh, and then you go to contacts. Right. Um, Holy moly! Look at that. Too many people. Yeah, I mean, I sync my contacts with. Oh, Gmail. you only have one thirty-one. You only have one hundred and thirty-one Gmail contacts. Yeah. Well, no, actually, I have more, but those are the ones that I have that I want on my phone. Oh, okay. Because it'll sync with my contacts, and then Google will keep, like, a whole bunch of contacts. And yeah, so Google I just, use ca- thousands and thousands and thousands yeah, of so contacts. Yeah, so I tell it, do not add people to my contacts unless I add them. Yeah. And so only the people in my contacts go on my phone. Okay. And then all the other ones are, like, in another contact. Hey, you got tap defense. Yeah, it's a fun one. Tap defense is a really fun game. It's a tower defense I'm game. so surprised it's free. It's because of the advertisement. Yeah, but I mean, most most app developers on the iPhone, they have a free and a paid version, Mm. if they have a free version Mm. that isn't a light. Um, You know what we need to do before we go? No. Uh, We need to give an introduction to each of our businesses. Um, That's the whole purpose of this show. We have a format. We have a format, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) At some point, we will follow it. (laughs) So, why don't you... uh, Well, let me let me give my spiel because I think that I have more opinions on this than you. Am I correct? Yes. Um, I'm kind of in limbo right now. Okay. So we're not even really sure the format of the show. We're gonna talk. I I have a pretty good idea. It's gonna have a beginning and an end. I think. Uh, No, I mean, like, I like the uh, I like the idea of like uh, having as far as interviews or interviews go. I like doing like local artists because I want to be able to meet a lot of the bands that are coming up around here. And maybe get some like live sets going on for the show, or a couple live, uh, you know, playings, whatever they're called. Yeah. And um, and you know, sort of just like promote them and help them because a lot, like for example, with our friends in Brass Bed, 
they're from what I've seen, their marketing campaigns are pretty non-existent. Yeah. Um. So like, I'd like to be able to help them jump on and uh, promote them because I think they're really good and they, they 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 have a shot of doing something pretty great. Brassbed is really good. Yeah. Go they're, to uh, www.brassbed.com. I'm going there right now. They're really talented. Have they updated their website since, like, did they have good songs there now? Because when I went there, like, three years ago, it was all these crappy songs from, like, 95. I think they probably just have their most recent album. Oh, no, they don't They don't even have brassbed.com. Yeah, just do a Google search for them. They have a MySpace page, I know that, and they play music on that one. Oh, this breaks my heart. They don't own brassbed.com. Yeah, we, we I know. It's, it's pathetic. If any of our listeners like, whoever... own brassbed.com, please... Just give it up. <laughs> to me. <laughs> give it to me. Give it up to me. <laughs> the quality of the podcast is, <laughs> is, uh, is decreasing. Man, I can only imagine when we start drinking on this. It's going to be bad. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, so you want to get artists here, local artists, yeah. help Art- them promote. Yeah. That's a, that's a good idea. I like that. I think so. And uh, it'll, it'll, it'll help us with... Uh, with everything that we want to do, and it'll help them. Right. I agree. So my idea is that we, Donald and I both own businesses. Um, mine are a little bit more formal. I've formally incorporated. No, I'm incorporated. You incorporated the Dyer Chef? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Um, Please don't tell me you use LegalZoom. No. Okay. Uh, you just my, downloaded the PDF? And no, my second cousin's husband is a lawyer. Oh, God. And he was like, yeah, I'll just do that for free. Let me and tell so you something. Like, I just paid the, the, the filing fees. Incorporating is so easy. Like, websites like LegalZoom, don't use them. They're garbage. They might be good for some purposes, but they suck for incorporating Yeah, like charging you $500 for the premium incorporation package is absurd. Yeah, it's complete horseshit. It costs $75 for the filing fee, and then everything else is what they want to charge you. So what you do is, we live in Louisiana, so all you need to do is Google, um, Google... Secretary of State, Louisiana, um, Articles of Organization. Okay, so let me repeat that. Secretary of State, Louisiana, Articles of Organization. And then, bada bing, bada boom, you have a link to uh, the the forms you need to fill out in order to incorporate your business. All you need to do is fill out this. It's just a, a PDF. You print it out. You sign your name. You send it in. You pay them $30, and you have incorporated your business. It is just that simple. If you're doing a sole proprietorship, there is no reason in the world why you need to get a lawyer to do it for you. It's a sole proprietorship. Just do it yourself. So anyway, um, I own uh, a business called Root Suits, <laughs> www.rootsuit.com. We sell... Uh, Full-body spandex body suits, uh, mainly as costumes for sports fans. You can get them in your sports colors. They're just these really, really, really wild and crazy suits. And if, you, if you're listening to this next to a computer and you search for it, you're going to look at the front page and you're going to be like, holy crap, that's really weird. <laughs> they're really weird, but uh, they're fun to wear. I wear them all I the time. Was, I thought it was a fetish site the first time I saw it. <laughs> yeah, they, so a lot of people think that they're fetish suits, uh, but they're not. They're not. No, they're for sports fans. They're for sports fans. True sports fans. They're also for people like myself and our friends who are like, hey, let's have a root suit night. We go out and we wear the root suits and we just get annihilated and uh, have a really fun time. Girls like to grab root suit booty. They completely do. They treat you like a piece of meat when you're wearing a root suit. It's kind of embarrassing. It's not a lie. <laughs> or, no, or a plug. We're really not <laughs> exaggerating. www.rootsuit.com. 
the other one is the ObamaDress.com. Uh, I sell uh, dresses that are uh, that are uh, emulations of Michelle Obama's fashion. Uh, third one is uh, Polis Textbooks, soon to be Bookman Books. Uh, that's the one that I spend most of my time doing. Uh, I actually go to college campuses. I hire people to go to college campuses and buy people's books, and then we sell them online. Um, and I just bought a rental property, and I invest heavily in stocks. So that's my five-pronged approach to someday becoming rich. Uh, I own three companies, and I invest in stocks, and uh, I own rental property. Now, if all five of these fail, and there's a non uh, it's probably going to happen. They're probably all going to fail. <laughs> then I will be a drug addict for the rest of my life, and uh, I will be poor. Um, but if and any one of them succeeds, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll uh, attain wealth. And if one of them just doesn't do terribly, <laughs> it'll pay for his drugs. <laughs> so, that's, so we do these things, and a lot of them are web-based businesses, and so we want to promote them, and that's the intent of this podcast. So we're going to, we're going to uh, in future episodes, discuss the state of our business, our trials and tribulations, and what you can do if you want to start a web-based business. Um, in the meantime, we'll also be discussing technology, uh, investments, ideas, uh, movies, art, culture, a dog. <laughs> ah, I, th- I think we're done. I think that's it. I mean, maybe we can give him some humorous anecdote to uh, see them off, but... I think we covered all the bases for the first podcast, don't you? Um, yeah. Uh, we, no, I, I'm at direchef.com. Oh, yeah. Go over yours. Um, I haven't really been keeping up with it for a few months now. It's, I need to really redo, redo the, the design, but I uh, started classes. Class has been keeping me pretty busy. Organic Kim is killer. What's uh, your major? Don't take it if you don't have to. <laughs> I took inorganic, and I, I actually kind of liked it. Um, I actually enjoy it, but it's just too much too fast. Yeah. Um, like, I would, I would rather that course take up two semesters mm. so that I can actually, like, absorb it all. Because right now, I'm just sort of, like, putting pieces together, getting the answers, but not really, like, fully absorbing. Like, after this class is done, I might never use that information again. Really? Uh, or at least, like... The majority of it. Your major um, is food science and nutrition? Uh, no, uh, chemistry and what do you call it? No, I'm, I'm saying like somebody else like taking this class because of how fast it goes. Mm. Not me personally because I'm going to have to use it. Right. Uh, organic chem and dietetics is what I'm Or not organic chem. Chemistry and dietetics is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just too fast. Like there's just so much information there. It could be a major on, it, on its own probably. Right. And I wish the teachers spent a little more time with it, or the university allowed their teachers to spend more time with it, because it's the most interesting part of chemistry, in my opinion. Organic chem? Yeah. It's just smashed together too much, too much? Yeah. Like, it's the most applicable one. Like, you can look at the back of any, uh, any consumer product, edible consumer product, toothpaste, anything, and, and like, you'll, see the things you'll know exactly about. what's going on and like how it's going to interact with the body once yeah. you've like gotten it down. And they just like blaze through it. Wow. And uh, it just kind of upsets me. Like Sherman's March? Yeah. And like most people that take it, they end up like coming close to failing it because they blaze through it so fast. But it's like, it's really it's some good stuff.
Well, dude, you just need to be the best student there then. It sounds like an opportunity. Maybe. Maybe I'll do an organic Kim podcast. <laughs> My favorite classes when I was in college, all people who are listening to this who haven't gone to college yet, heed these words. They say pick the best teacher. It's not necessarily the case. If you suck at paying attention to a, a lecture for an hour, as I do, I am horrible at listening to a lecture and absorbing things, then pick the worst teacher. I'm serious. Pick I the, totally disagree with pick that. Pick the worst <laughs> teacher you can find. You know why? Most, most of the people, or at least Because they experience. curve the grades so that every class gets the same grade. And if the teacher sucks, that means everybody else is going to have low grades on their tests. I mean, I guess it depends on where you're going to school, but where I've been... Uh, that's definitely not the case. I've definitely had terrible teachers that do not curve, and everybody still almost fails. Um, I had all my best grades in classes with bad teachers because I got the same out of them as I got out of the good teachers. Nothing. I did all my learning outside I mean, that of the classroom. That makes sense. If you, can, if you can count on the curve, that makes perfect sense. Right. But what I'm saying is that I've never been able to count on a teacher to give a curve, if no matter how good or how bad Ignore they my advice if you if you know that, there's not, that they're not going to offer a curve. <laughs> in, most, in most science disciplines at universities they offer a curve yeah at, like not at the beginning but as you move on they will yeah um, in those cases a bad teacher can be a blessing because it means yeah. everybody else is getting no, that's one third of the questions one third to one half of the questions wrong i had a class where i missed so many days of school and i looked at my tests at the end of the year and i 65 70 75 oh my god i'm, I'm gonna get a d in this class i'm gonna flunk out and I go to the teacher, I go to his, his office, and I said, look, it's late. I know I've missed more than half of the classes. Um, it must seem like I'm completely blowing things off. Uh, but I think I'm getting a bad grade in this class. I'd like to do something extracurricular, anything. Is there anything I can do to raise my grade? And he says, well, let me take a look. And he opens up his book. He says, uh, well, you have an A. You have an A. <laughs> no, you cannot do anything to raise your grade. <laughs> oh, Oh, really? <laughs> so that's my two cents to people who are bad at learning in class. Um, yeah, and just like you, you were saying earlier, as far as me using my iPhone to absorb information, I greatly use it in school, um, which is why I'm very interested, and this is going to drag the podcast on forever now. Uh, We've got like three minutes left. The, uh, no, we can go longer. <laughs> no, we can't. All right, well, then we can, we can just do this and then edit it out if we want to. Okay. All right. Go for it. Uh, the Apple tablet. Uh, have you heard about this this figment of people's imagination? It's like one sentence in New York Times, and now everybody's count on the Apple people to hear one sentence from no, New no, York this, Times. No, no, this has been brewing. Uh, this has been brewing. I for have like the nocturnal last emissions to Apple products. No, this is oh, this was tablet. this has been brewing way before the New York Times article. Tablet. Uh, now the thing is, is that I know what it's probably going to be, and I don't want that. But Apple, if you ever listen to me, yeah. I'll tell you exactly how to make way more money than you already do. Okay, go for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> make a robot <laughs> that does now, your work uh, for you. Basically, I don't want just a larger version of the iPhone. That's your not price point, $100. <laughs> Everyone would buy it. You would make 100 times $5 right. billion. I'm Five not, trillion I'm not that, dollars. I'm not that stupid. Come on. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just fucking around. What do you call it? Messing around. Uh, no. So, yeah, I don't want just a, a large iPod Touch. To me, that is worthless. 
and I have a feeling that's probably the gist of what it's going to be. Yeah. Like, and they they're going to add like an ebook reader feature to it, which the iPod Touch already has. Yeah, I'm snoring. <laughs> uh, so if I were doing the Apple tablet, I would do that uh, resistive capacitive hybrid if you could ever do something like that, or just or just a capacitive screen that can use a pin very well. Okay. Um, this would be huge for students. Uh, so has a pretty decent microphone on it, so it can. It basically does what the LiveScribe pin does. I don't know if you've heard of this thing, but as you write, it records, records the, the audio as well on top, and then you can search through the audio as well as through the uh, the actual handwriting that you're using. Yeah. So that if you point to a certain point where you're you've written something and you like just weren't writing fast enough, it'll actually play the audio from that point right. where you were writing. Uh, also make it long enough so that you can turn it sideways and it'll double as a textbook and a note-taking device. The, the screen will like sort of split in half. Um, that and then everything the iPhone does. Uh, basically make it way more, and also make it way more powerful than the iPhone. So it could totally replace a laptop if you don't want a laptop. Um, and also, yeah, just make it powerful enough to be a really awesome computer so that you can have a sort of like cradle-to-the-grave device, a uh, convergence to device, where you have a frame at home that you just sit it in, and it, it looks like a picture until you turn it on, and then it's your computer monitor. And it wirelessly hooks up to your mouse and keyboard, which you can use for the, uh, to interface with it, as well as touch the screen if you want to. And then when you're ready to go on the road or ready to go to class, you just take it out of the frame, put it in your bag, Go on the road, do what you have to do, and then when you come back home, you just set it back on the frame, and everything is just completely integrated, and it does all those features. Plus, yeah, there's some valid. Okay, here's my pushback. Why not just get a netbook? Because then you don't have to write with some pen; you can type. But I like writing notes better. the re- The reason I like writing notes better is because I always have a problem with the format of uh, word processors whenever I'm typing notes. So like, just use Notepad. Um, no, what I mean, like text. Just use text. I've never, I've never, I've never actually tried to do that. But uh, but there's always like some kind of symbol or something or something I have to draw, uh, especially in in chemistry classes, uh, where it's like you, it just makes it really hard. Right, you like to draw things. Yeah, I mean, like if you're you're, you're drawing like structures. Yeah. You, it's really hard to do that. That's that's true. And even in, in math, it's the same thing. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I never really took notes. I yeah, mean, you didn't I did. Class. Every time I tried to take notes, I write really slowly. So I would say, oh, okay, got it. This is important, you know, C6H1206. Oh, wow. And I'd look up, and then, like, class would be over. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty bad. What just happened? <laughs> That's really bad. I lost everything. <laughs> oh, God. No, uh, whenever I'm in class, I'm like, I'm a tube. Like, I just, what goes in my ear goes on the paper. And really? Like, I'm, I'm trying to gather, like, trying to put things together in my head also at the same time. Um, but usually not that great at it right then and there. Huh. Um, I, I, I'm just like a robot. I'm just like, wow. As quickly as she's saying it almost. That's amazing. And then when I'm done... Like, I sort of remember trying to put things together while I was taking the notes. And it actually, my head sort of, like, works like the Lyscribe pen, where, like, I remember the audio 
sort of You're such a douchebag. What? <laughs> well, that's why I like it so much. It's because it's a better version of my brain. Right. Okay. Um, a more reliable version. Because yeah. like, if I don't do that, you know, at the end of the class day, then I lose it. Yeah. Whereas with the light scribe pen, I can like come back three days later and I'm fine. Yeah. No. That's that's interesting. It's just, man, I could not operate any differently than that. I get nothing. The only I take that back. I do get something from going to class. I understand what they expect of me. I understand what's going to be on the tests. Every time I've gone to classes, I've gotten better grades for no reason other than I understand their expectations. I get and no learning value from going to class at all, and every time I try to write notes, it only makes it worse. The best class experiences I have, I take I never, it was when I don't write it down. Mm-hmm. I just take the notepad, throw it away, and, then and I just listen. And then when I learn... Are you, you're like an auditory learner for the most part? No. Not at all? No, I only learn by doing the problems. Okay. Well, yeah, for math, it's kind of hard to do anything else but do the problems. It was like that for chemistry, too. Um, yeah, I definitely can't listen. It's like that for everything. But I can, I can look and get a good bit. Yeah, all that stuff in programming, anything. Every class I've been to, it's like, okay, great, I'm listening to you. That's fantastic. I don't care. And then I work on it myself, and I learn. Right. Um, there was definitely something else I wanted to say. Well, wait. Here's, so here's my pushback to your, okay. uh, to your Apple idea. tablet. Okay, I like, I like the idea of hang it up in your desk and it's your computer. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. I'd rather that happen with the phone. I'd rather have phones that you plug into a monitor and the phone is your computer. I mean, if you, yeah, that would be awesome if you can come up with some kind of battery tech or another fuel source for the, batter, uh, the device to operate off of. Well, the, the monitor would be the charging station. No, but what I'm saying is, like, to have the processor and the RAM to be equivalent to a desktop. Oh yeah, well, it's gonna suck up power all day. Nah, they're gonna figure out a way to do. That. I mean, I, get, I, I guess if you designed it for that, the chipset for that, you can. I don't see why you can't do that. Yeah. Because that's how. That's basically how like the ARM processors work, um, where they only take energy whenever they're being used, and then they do that sort of like the variable valve, variable valve timing, like on a car. They do it in spurts, so it's like if. If the process only lasts like a second, right. it's not going to operate at the full gigahertz. Right, yeah. It's only going to operate at like 200. Right. Um, so it'll, it'll be like a slower feel, but you don't use as much battery. They're going to figure that out. They always do. They always I, do. I mean, I hope so. That would, be, that would be awesome too. That's what I want is the phone, that the charging station is a monitor, and then your phone is your computer. There's no syncing your phone or whatever. It is your computer. It's the same thing. And then just like sort of have a sync over the cloud. Or a backup over the cloud. Yeah, yeah. And then um, for the, so I like. I also like having a physical backup on the premises as well. Because yeah, you can have a physical backup as well. You should. So everybody like just, should just buy anyway. like an extra hard drive. And everybody should have a physical backup. Yeah, just, I agree. It's just a smart thing to do. I agree. So I would. I would like that to do for the phone. I like the. Uh, you know, I like the fact the tablet plugs in. I just don't like a, a tablet. I don't like writing things on a. Well, the reason I also like the idea. I don't want to do that. I want to type things. Well, I guess you can. Ideally, you'd also have a slide-out keyboard on. That'd be tough. Uh, I don't think it'd be that tough. It'd just be a little bit thicker, which I, I don't think is a unreasonable request because it's already a, a large device. Well, you can have it snap in and out. It can be attachable and detachable. Um, why would you want it to detach? Because then it doesn't have to be part of the tablet whenever you don't want it to be part of it. But I want it to be part. Why wouldn't you want it to be part of the tablet? I want it to be part of the tablet. It adds weight. It adds another. The, I mean, look, 
obviously I'm a palm pre homer, but this sliding mechanism, this is where it's going to fail. Whenever right, I drop the that's, phone that's, for that's like the fourth or fifth time, that's a manufacturing def- defect. That's not like not all slider phones have keyboards that fail them like over in the you know the first two years, hmm. which is probably like the operating device of most consumer electronics. Hmm. Um, especially something like a laptop. But People it's nicer like, when it's one piece. The iPhone is going to be more attractive than every sliding phone. It just well, will. like you can do it as one piece. Like it's, if you it's you know cleaner, when you put the nicer. SIM card in on the iPhone, yeah, like it is almost indistinguishable that slot tray from like the rest of the iPhone. If you look at it, yeah, like you can't see it because it's like the cut is perfect on it, and it's just well manufactured. Like whoever did that did it well. Um, you can't do that with a keyboard. Why can't you do that with a keyboard? Why can't the keyboard like, is the same size as the phone? Keyboard is the same size as the tablet. I mean, you can make the keyboard just a touch smaller. It depends on how big the tablet screen is. You want it to slide inside and outside of the phone? That would work for me, too. No way. You got to be able to disattach it. It's too, much of, it's too much of a mechanical engineering challenge to have a keyboard that slides in and out of the phone and doesn't add much uh, height to the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care if it adds height. It's still going to be thinner than any laptop. Is, that's my point, is that it's okay to add a little bit of height and weight to it because it's not a device you put in your pocket. You have a bag for it, and you sit it on your lap. Like, you're not, it's not necessary to be small and sleek 100% like the iPhone. Like, I think it should be sleek, but it doesn't have to be like this, as thin as, as you can possibly make a device. But it needs to be attractive. That's why and people buy no their products. That can't be attractive. Like, for example, if you look at the iPhone right here, that little metal b- band that goes around, yeah. if the CPU stuff could fit within the width of that metal band, um, and then it just slides to where the plastic is the keyboard and the metal band is the screen and the, and the CPU stuff. Yeah. Or even just have, like, some sort of uh, conductor, like, transmit information to it and the CPU and the keyboard are both at the bottom. Like, that, I think, would be a sleek design that wouldn't be too far-fetched. I think it is far-fetched because... Whenever you have a sliding, whenever it can slide, there's going to be a little gap. You can't, you can't engineer it with tolerances such that it just looks completely seamless. I think that the, no, I think I mean, this it, is about as good as you can get no, as far be, as that goes. Uh, like, I'm trying to think, think of And I, as I was saying that, I was gesticulating with, with the pre. Oh. I think that that's about as good as you can get. I haven't seen that any one, device that, that has... There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's just not as nice. I mean, it's, it's think, nice looking, but it's... The, I think the iPhone is just slightly better because it's one piece. It's solid. So, like, if you drop it or whatever. Right, it's just... But it, you're not going to be dropping your tablet. Like, it's, it's, it's like saying, I don't like the fact that my laptop has two hinges on it to hold the screen to the keyboard because it's got a manufacturing... It's going gonna, it's gonna to fall apart at some point. And, like, yes, that's probably true if you handle it terribly. Uh, in, a, in a short period of time, it'll fall apart. Yeah. But if you take, like, halfway decent care of it carry it around in your bag, and don't throw it off of a cliff, yeah. you, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And the, the, the other idea I was about to bring forth as far as like ways to manufacture that sort of situation where the, the space between uh, that you were worried about, just have, it, uh, just have the device just maybe like a half a millimeter thicker um, where it sort of like lifts up and slides out. So like that... that you know, half a millimeter space you would normally see is actually just an opening that's on the inside as opposed to on the outside. So it's, so it's almost like you're fitting a piece inside of a piece. 
Does that make sense? No. <laughs> Gotta run that by me again. All right, so uh, you imagine. So imagine like, you have an iPhone in your so, hand. Yeah, the uh, the metal band around the iPhone, instead of just directly sliding upward, it actually l- lifts up and then slides over, so that it fits it it fits into the keyboard. The keyboard fits into it a little bit on the edges, so that you can still keep that slim, sleek line and also have a slider. You pick it up and slide it out? Yeah. So like I maybe, see. Maybe have I see like a it now. Okay, I see it. Right, thing. right, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, I, don't, I don't think that's perfect still, but it, I think it looks better, or it would look better. But who, so then the larger question is, who wants a tablet? Uh, if they made it to my specifications, I would want that tablet. I, I just don't. I'd pay. I'd pay. Who wants to write on a on a piece of electronics? I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. Um. And then, I mean, even if you don't write on it, a huge multi-touch display that also can use a keyboard and a mouse is a huge advantage. Really? I think so. Yeah. Uh. Especially actually... for like artists. That's a good point. Multi-touch. We've never seen what would happen if you had multi-touch. Plus a mouse and keyboard. Nobody knows. I mean, I, I have dreams about it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, like, um, well, not like, I don't really remember what I dream at night, but, like, I'll think about it during the day every now and then. Really? And what would you do? I don't know. So, like, basically, it'd be, like, instead of doing, like, Alt-Tab to go from window to window, it, I'd use it for things like that, like system sort of th- stuff like that. Right. And I'd still use it for zooming in um, instead of, like, a mouse wheel. I'd use it for scrolling. Instead of the mouse, I'd I'd replace some of the functionality of the mouse and keyboard. Huh. That's a little awkward and like not very intuitive. You have to kind of know these things already. Yeah. Um, I'd replace them with hand gestures, and then as as like as input technologies like got better, you know, eventually we're not going to even have a screen that you touch. It's just going to be like all these gestures in the air, which will be awesome. I think that's so stupid. I I don't know. I have no interest in that Minority Report technology. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think I'd like it as Minority Report, does it? Um, I would like it more on, uh, like, so like augmented reality, like through a contact lens. We've talked about this before. Uh, to where like it looks like a 3D object, and so you like, it, it's it's as if you're a- interacting with why the real just, world. Why not just press Alt Tab? No, but what I'm saying is, like, you have a computer that's on you all the time, and, like, whenever you want to look for something on Google or wherever... Oh, like, no, no. I'm 100% down with that whole cyborg idea. No, yeah. And I'm not even being facetious. No, I think it's a great idea. I'm completely down for that. You know me. You know I'm down for that. All right? Yeah. I am counting the days until they can put a contact lens on my eye that has a computer screen. And no, you know that's what? that's what I'm saying. Like, when they put as... the chip in my brain that lets me control that computer, and everyone's like, oh, no, no, it's... It's uh, the end You're of the gonna world. You're going to be lining up with I'm your gonna $100 be, bills. I'm going to be the first one in line. <laughs> you know all those dopes who hang out in front of the store for like 24 hours to get like the new PlayStation 3 or whatever, which we almost did? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be like that for the brain chip. The brain chip's going in this skull uh, on day one. I don't want a brain chip because I don't think it's necessary. Uh, I think this idea is it's more appealing to me. Um, not that I'm against a brain chip. Yeah. I just don't think I'd find as much use for it. Uh, in the real world that I live in today, like, comparatively. Oh, it's the quickest. The, um, the multi-touch is nice, but to me, it's just No, like... just because I'm assuming, like, as far as all sort of brain interfaces go today, uh, y- there's, like, it, there's a pretty difficult learning curve, and then it's still very limited. Right. Um, so I'm assuming it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. Or very similar. 
And so I'd rather take something that I already sort of know and comes naturally to me. So instead of like altering my biology to take advantage of a computer, I'd rather alter the computer to take advantage of my biology. You know what? I, I actually, I agree with you. But it doesn't appeal to, and now we're, I'm returning to multi-touch plus mouse and keyboard. Okay. Because that's really how this got started. Right. Multi-touch plus mouse and keyboard, it replaces complicated things, keyboard shortcuts. Yeah. With simple things. Yeah. Moving your hand around the screen. Exactly. People who already know those shortcuts, like me. It's faster for you to actually use prefer the those. Yeah. I prefer them. Yeah, but I think the general consumer does not know those things or doesn't like to use them or doesn't use them the efficiently. You know what? Apple's going to make money with that Yeah, they make, they make devices for idiots. That's why they make money. Apple's going to make money with that tablet. Like, that was always... Buy the, Apple like, stock. Uh, I mean, I, I guess idiots was a strong word. But, uh, like, I mean, everyone I know that is not computer savvy loves Mac because for what they do, it does it just right. Like, if they want to go online and check their email, well, like, it never gives them any problems. I, like, it sets up very easily and automatically. I could not agree more. But, like, when it comes down to, like, doing BitTorrent or, like, anything that requires some proficiency that you're used to doing on a Windows PC, when it comes to a Mac, it's like, okay, they've got all these firewalls to prevent me from doing this very easily, or even understanding how it works. Because well, iTunes is the perfect mascot for this, for this method of doing business. You, you give someone a program, which is, if, if all you've ever learned to use is iTunes, yeah. then iTunes is the most natural thing in the world. Yeah. And really, if you're not computer literate, iTunes is, is the most natural thing in the world. For anybody who knows anything about computers, you understand that iTunes is by far the worst music program out there. Yeah, it's and there's there's cumbersome. not even a, it is it is the bottom of the league. It's the Detroit Lions of music <laughs> programs. It's the worst. They need to rebuild it from the ground up if if they want me to like it. They don't. <laughs> 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 they say a big f you to Donald. <laughs> Apple's uh. Apple's a successful company. I like them. I just hope that maybe next year they'll make a product for people who want to do more than just dick around on the internet. Yeah, what I'm really hope. Oh, God. Have you seen uh, the new releases of the iMac and all that? No. Okay, so Apple just released a new, a new line of products. So, like, all their old stuff that they used to do, they've, like, updated and upgraded. Uh, but it's looking like they're about to attack the home entertainment system, the living room. Which we thought they were going to do with the Apple TV. Didn't work out. But because it was a quote-unquote hobby, <laughs> all it was was just like an extra iTunes store on your TV. <laughs> God, it's Man, you know what I really want to do instead of watch is, The Office on no, television? Stuff I want to on... buy The Office and then watch it. And I mean, actually, like, if you don't watch much TV, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Because you're not paying a cable bill, and you only pay for the shows you actually want to watch. Right. Uh, but most people don't, they don't entertain themselves in that manner when it comes to the living room. Uh, they want, like, a lot of streaming crap <laughs> lying right in their face. Well, I want, I don't watch much TV, but what I do watch is, um, like, I watch SportsCenter to go to sleep. Okay. There's, there's something to be said for, like, comfort programming. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't want to watch TV. You just want it to be on in the background. Yeah. I don't I understand how anybody can watch more than four hours of TV a day. I probably watch, on average, 20 minutes of television a day. Um, because That's I wa- not even a whole show. 
because I watch maybe a show every three days. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. But I will be around a TV for maybe an hour a day. And it's on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing work. My roommate is watching TV, and we're in the living room. Yeah, um... I, I definitely agree. The uh, the comfort thing is the that that's basically what I was referring. And that's to. What the, that's, that's what that's what Apple Miss is out streaming. on. Yeah. Well, right. now, so what they've done with these new iMacs and whatnot, they've increased the screen size. They're huge. Yeah. So you've got a twenty-seven inch. That's like the size of some people's TVs, mm-hmm. and it costs about the same amount of money as a flat screen, like high-end flat screen TV. Yeah. So it's like, whenever you're in that market... They're trying to kill Vizio. Well, not only are they... If they do this again next year with bigger screens, they can kill every TV market out there that doesn't put a computer in their TV. All the more reason to buy Apple. So Apple right now, I'm looking at Google Finance. Apple is trading at a 29 multiple. Uh, Do you know what a multiple is? No. Okay. So the way you evaluate stocks is they make a profit every year. That's called their earnings. Okay. Um, the price of the stock is going to be some multiple of those earnings. Um, a stock that people don't think is ever going to grow anymore, like um, Philip Morris. They basically saturated the entire world's market. Okay. Uh, those will trade at a multiple of maybe 10, 10 times earnings. That's the price you pay. So if, uh, if you buy a share for 20 bucks, that means every year of, uh, that share is earning 2 bucks. Okay. Okay. And then uh, companies that are so big that they can't grow too much more, they usually uh, pay out dividends. Uh, dividends come in the range of 5 to 10%. A good dividend will be maybe like 7 8%. Mm-hmm. Philip Morris has a really high one. Altria is the parent company. Their dividend is like 8%. Uh, okay. So of the profits they make, 80% of that goes to the dividends, 20% goes to just maybe research and development, stuff like that. Um, and then companies that people think are going to grow in the future, their earnings are going to grow and grow and grow, they trade at a higher multiple. Okay. A really high-quality growth company. And Apple's at 29. 29. A really high-quality growth company trades at 35. Okay. Apple right now I think is being undervalued because it can grow. It can grow by killing Vizio. It can grow by killing all the other cell phone makers. It can grow by taking PC market share it can grow yeah, by like, introducing a tablet PC with both mouse and keyboard and multi-touch and taking all of the many, many, many idiots. I mean, I'd guess... And giving them computers. That uh, if, if nobody else in the cell phone market comes up with a deal and a device to beat the iPhone right. next year... Yeah. Oh, wait, no. By halfway through next year. It's going to be tough. Uh, Apple... It's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to have so much money, it's going to be retarded. Yeah. The only thing that's going to hold them back is the ability to manufacture the products. Right. And uh, So as a comparison, let me take a look at Google. I mean, $99? For Google is trading at a 35 times multiple because Google is sort of the definition of a growth company. Yeah. They have this Internet thing. Everybody goes to them a million times a day. Nobody really knows how to monetize it. Nobody knows how to monetize YouTube. Right. Monetizing video content is like the great mystery of the internet right now. That's right, which why, is why they were working on NBC that and Fox and ABC thing. are all like, God, we're all losing money. We're hemorrhaging money every year. What do we do? We need to make money off the internet. Well, and so Google's figuring Google, it out gradually. No, Google's figuring it out rapidly. Like, I mean, they've almost figured out how to monetize Twitter, which Twitter couldn't even do. 
What's going on? Just continue? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so let me take a look at the uh, yeah, earnings so like, history of Google. Basically, like, that's been the big thing is how to monetize the Internet. In advertisement is one of the big ways to do it, uh, or at least the, the most used way at this point. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the other way. Um, other than just like directly selling a product, but all right. So let me let me list out Google's uh, earnings growth. Okay, mm -hmm. 2005, Google earns uh, 3.8 billion dollars. 2006, Google earns 6.9 billion dollars. 2007, Google earns 10.9 billion. 2008, Google Go is spending more than it earned in its first year. <laughs> 2008, Google earns 14.6 billion dollars. Google's earnings have grown, have like, they they doubled between 05 and 06, and then they doubled again between 06 and 08. So yeah, it's a, a then I guess it's fair for them to be trading it 35 times because yeah. they grow every single year. Yeah, or they have been for a while now. Yeah, but they can't last forever. Um, <laughs> I don't know about Maybe that. Maybe they can. I don't know. Uh, you know, you know, you know why? I think that they're going to continue to grow until bandwidth is worth absolutely nothing. Right. Because they operate right now as though bandwidth is free. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that bandwidth is getting cheaper and cheaper every day. Yeah. Um, but the adver the thing that's important is not what used to be important. So like, scarcity used to be the like mother of media's money right uh so like there was only so many channels you can have on the air because there was only a certain amount of bandwidth right. uh to stream over the air and so as an advertiser uh you'd be like all right well because there's a limited amount of space i'm going to charge a crap ton of money for each ad that i air now there's cable um and now there's the internet yeah which is even cheaper than cable right and Google and Yahoo are pretty much the only two that are, they're the only two, like, ABCs and NBCs. Like, what about Bing? Uh, I mean, Bing, I, I haven't been using Bing, honestly, and I don't know how much, how many people use Bing, but either way, there's very few companies that are actually taking advantage of this. Right. And it's making, the fact that they've been there for so long, and they're, they're going to be there for much longer, makes it even harder for a new company to step in. Yeah. So they and as long as people want to search the internet and as long as Google doesn't spin themselves into oblivion, they will exist. Hmm. Maybe so, my friend. It's just tough to imagine that Google can keep growing. Their market cap right now is like two hundred billion dollars. Google's worth more than General Electric. Google's worth more than Exxon. Hold on a second, let me look this up. I mean how how long can you continue to grow? Everybody Google is the one uh, search engine that everybody goes to every single day. I mean, once you've getting, gotten to that level of saturation, I don't know that there's much more that you can really do. Oh, but the thing is, is that it doesn't matter how many people, well, it does matter, but that's not the only thing that gives them money. Like, how many people use Google doesn't make them money. It's how many people advertise on Google is what makes them money. So Google's the more market businesses... Cap, Google's market cap is uh, $170 billion. ExxonMobil's market cap, 344 um, Walmart, Walmart's market cap is uh, 191, and what's another really big one? General Electric. Let's check them out. General Electric's market cap 151. But it, it's a growing industry. Like I don't think you can ever stop its growth if you 
you know, smartly approach the situation. Because they're basically every... It's a knowledge-based... They're media outlet, every media outlet thrown together. Yeah. It's, it's a knowledge-based product. Yeah, so as sense. long as they can come up, keep good ideas flowing, and then people are going to want to use their services, yeah. and advertisers are going to want to pay them to have advertisements on their services because there's people that want to use their services. Yeah. So, I mean, unless, like, Internet just dies at some point... Google's going to be here forever, and they're going to rule the world. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, as soon as, that's that's actually kind of something that I sort of think about every now and then. Is like, what happens when the founders of Google, who are like, you know, don't be evil, what happens when those guys die? Like, all of a sudden, you've got the potential to be evil because you don't have anybody to sort of oversee it, and they have like everybody. They have everything. They know everything about yeah, me. That's such bullshit. Don't be evil. What does Google do that's better than what Yahoo does or Microsoft? No, I mean in the sense of like, uh, at, at least for United States citizens, they won't like help policemen track down somebody by their email or like their latitude locations or whatever. Like they don't they don't incar- help incarcerate people. Um, that's they good. don't they don't sell your privacy um, information or your private information to other companies. Um, that's actually good. I don't see why helping the police is a bad thing. Well, it depends on the time that you live in. So, like, right now, I wouldn't be scared if they sold, if they used that information, uh, if they gave my information to the government. Because, I mean, there's there's no reason for the government to ever point at me and, like, reprimand me for something at this point. Yeah. Crap happens, and then you, if you're on the bad side of it, you don't want the government to know everything all of a sudden. All right, well, look. And so, yeah, that's We it. need to wrap this up. All right. We're running in two hours, I think. Uh, no, it's only an hour and a half. Okay. Um, all right. So this is, uh, I think this is a pretty good first <laughs> podcast. So uh, uh, what's going on I think we there? should give ourselves a little pat on the back. It's a pretty good, uh, pretty good deal. Go, go watch some music, get some drink, y'all. Want to go maybe uh, watch go. some television? Or? I don't want to watch TV. Nah, I guess uh, we'll go downtown. But yeah, either way, I think I think it'll be a great idea if Apple puts computers in large screen TVs. That'd be amazing. I Apple can't wait for that. Apple needs to enter the. Uh, they need to merge with like Anheuser Busch, some sort of <laughs> put computers in your beer. Right. <laughs> Man, my beer can download apps, and that would not work. <laughs> well, no, you just do the marketing. You have that, you know, logo on a beer. You know what? Beer commercials just aren't as good as they used to be. I remember, I mean, it may just because may yeah. just be because I was a kid. And no, like, it's true. I was very impressed. No, when was the last funny beer commercial? I, I don't know. I don't really watch TV anyway, so I can't tell you that for the last, like, two years. They're not that funny. They've got the, uh, they got the pretty funny ones where like, they... Uh, I think do... they fell off whenever those frogs and the penguins came along for Budweiser. It was like, Bud, why? Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is going down the drains. Yeah, that has gone down the drains. No, okay, so the best, the best uh, Budweiser commercial ever was uh, the guy has the falcon on his arm, and these two girls are impressed, and he's like, go get me another beer. He lets go of the bird, and it flies out of his apartment window, and then a couple seconds pass, and it comes out, it comes back to him, and it has a beer in its talons. Uh, and the girls are like, wow, that's amazing. That's really impressive. How that is that, impressive. How does that bird do that? And he's like, 
I don't know where he finds the views. <laughs> and then you, you cut to a shot of these people on the street below. They go, oh my god, he's coming back! And they're all like ducking and they have this, this Falcon fucking annihilating these people. Just close up on its face as it's like, Aah! That's awesome. It was a great commercial. That's, that's a really good one. What, and they're all taking you... cover under the desk, like the look of pure terror on their face. That was a good commercial. How it's, long ago was I'm that? I'm sure it's on YouTube. It was only like three years ago. All right. That was a yeah, great one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, anyway. All right. So let's wrap this bad boy up. Um, thank you for listening today. It's the first one. Uh, hopefully we'll do better next time and, um, we'll see you again soon. Good night. Hold on. Turn on the music again. Uh, well, damn it. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) We'll have to do that next time. Fuck.